Welcome to Soul Stirrings, a podcast where all things regarding faith, communication, and culture are considered. I'm your host, Paul Patton, and here's hoping for at least a couple of grins and maybe one strange amen. I've been talking about the biblically informed narrative of being God's garden cultivated over time, and as a story, the story called Our Life, with three acts. Act 1, germination of the garden seeds, Act 2, the growth of the garden plants, and Act 3, the harvest of the fruit in the garden. In this one, I'll emphasize the second of nine virtues, joy as listed in the Fruit of the Spirit by the Apostle Paul, providing eternally compelling context for what's really important to cultivate in the garden in the story called Our Life. Reminders, especially during these times of difficulty and uncertainty related to the coronavirus. Again, the second of the nine fruit of the Spirit is joy. Biblically informed joy is more than a mood or mood switch. I used to have a warm-up exercise with my acting students through the years. The students, the actors, were to pretend for 90 seconds that they just received a message with the news they'd been waiting months for. And the news was even better than they'd even hoped. They were to act beyond excited. They were ecstatic. They were walking around the room as if this news had just come. For 90 seconds, they would walk around the room with a spring in their step, a smile on their face, and sometimes let out even a gleeful shout for 90 seconds committed to the physicality of the story, their character clearly filled with joy. Then we'd stop, we'd sit in a circle and talk about the experience. A consistent report through all of the years I've taught that class was that regardless of how they felt coming in, the exercise elevated their emotional state, an exercise that took 90 seconds. Though this at one surface level can be a link to the physical commitment to a good, even authentic performance, including all of the calls of the fruit of the spirit, the commitment to the physicality as described by the playwright or screenwriter, in other words, if the script says your character walks into a room angry, as an actor, you maybe clench your fist, grit your teeth, Yet it can give a faulty assumption of what it means to be joyous and to experience the joy of the Lord, that second fruit of the, of the Spirit. A major misassumption this is, that being obedient to the biblical call to joy, to rejoice always, to know the joy of the Lord as your strength, is only a matter of what Dick Van Dyke's Albert character in the musical Bye Bye Birdie sang quite famously, put on a happy face. That the Apostle Paul, when admonishing, commanding his Christian readers to rejoice always, is reduced to a simple mood switch or a smile, or made easier if you have an upbeat, cheerful disposition, or even better if you can whistle in the dark. These are misassumptions, I would argue. The biblical context for joy is not simply reduced to a smile. Paul's instruction to the Thessalonians to be joyous always wasn't simply obeyed by putting on a happy face or developing a more positive, upbeat personality. The experience and expression of joy from a biblical perspective and characterized as a fruit of the Spirit is a tad more complicated than that. 
We're going to give you an example of the contextualizing power of a joyful heart. There is context that's cognitive. For instance, six centuries before the birth of Christ, Nehemiah chapter 8 describes the return of the captives from the Babylonian captivity. Weeping aloud, all of the people weeping aloud as Ezra the priest, Ezra the scribe, and other Levites were reading from the book of the law. All the people were weeping with remorse at the thought of their ignorant, brazen disregard at the law and love of God. No microphones, hundreds of thousands gathered. Nehemiah the governor then takes over and shouts to the masses gathered. And what a strange, eerie cacophony of sound to experience so many grieving people aloud. He says, he shouts, do not grieve or weep for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, Nehemiah's admonition was not just a call or a command to stop weeping, but like all calls to praise God, like all calls to praise God, they are invitations to revisit the ultimate nature of things and the prioritizing presence of the Lord Creator, despite the occasions of sorrow, even agony, as was experienced by the prophets, even episodes of depression, and the reality of this assertion of the way things are, the joy of the Lord is your strength, that the created world is not idiotic, that there is an all-wise, all-powerful, and all-loving creator of the universe who has drenched our existence with meaning, is a cognitive assertion of what's ultimately, overarchingly, penetratingly true. That is why the Apostle Paul can admonish, even command, his Roman readers, to be joyous always. A letter originally received sent seven years before some of those readers in Rome would experience the terrors of Nero's persecution in 64 AD. On my next podcast, still on the topic of joy, as the second fruit of the Spirit, we're going to talk about its often paradoxical nature. Thanks for joining me on Soul Stirrings. Mm-hmm.